0: Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 34. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. We're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our pasts. That means that each episode, one of us gets to pick something the other person has never seen. A favorite movie, TV show. Sometimes it's like, means a lot. Sometimes it's just, I can't believe you've never seen this. So... We have to uh, rectify the situation, forced viewing ensues, and then we meet here, I almost said on camera, on mic, (laughs) to have our conversation where we unpack how it all went. And uh, this time, I got to choose the movie. You did. And I chose Once Upon a Time in the West, 1968 film by Sergio Leone. Yes. Starring Henry Fonda, Charles Bronson, Claudia Cardinale, Jason Robards...
1: And those, those are the and big names. And somebody named Franzetti. And various and
0: sundry. Uh, yes, Gabriel Franzetti plays yes, Mr. Morgan.
1: Not Franzetti, which I think is a wine. Friends, uh, okay, <laughs> a box but you're also wine. getting
0: close to the name of the guy who used to paint the covers of uh, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, oh, okay, novel, Fra- yeah, Franz, Frank Frazetta or whatever. Anyway. Oh yes, Frank Frazetta is not involved it's in this production. Something I used to
1: know. So it was my pick, which <laughs> means your... you're, you're on well, the Well, And spot we're actually now. we're we're talking to you from the past. Which, obviously, because we're recording a podcast. These are always from the past. um, But extra past this time, because um, we watched this movie before recording the next My Pick, which would have been 33 in order. So we're recording 34 first. Um, So if there's any references to um, to later on to to movies that... Anyway. (laughs) Uh, So Once Upon a Time in the West... Um, we have, um, our, our villain, Henry Fonda mm-hmm. playing the villain, which is unusual. I can't think, I think of another for, movie
0: where he plays the villain. No,
1: I don't. I, well, I don't think he wanted to. I mean, yeah. like, I think there was some convincing going on there. Yeah. Um, as, um, a corrupt sort of gangster. Aging gangster. Frank. want to be businessman, Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have our hero, who is not named, um, but has a really irritating harmonica, and thus is called... Irritating harmonica. harmonica. Irritating no. harmonica. <laughs> he, he's just called harmonica. You know, he has his own um, reasons for doing the things that he does.
0: He basically is the mysterious man with no name, like the Clint Eastwood yes. kind of character in yeah. the other Leone movies.
1: He's He's like... We don't know if he's good. We don't know if he's bad.
0: We just know he's trying to make an appointment yeah. with Frank.
1: Yes, he wants to meet Frank. And there's
0: some kind of bad blood in the past.
1: And then we have uh, Cheyenne, who's the the local gangster, the sort of like, you know, the the
0: the, the kind of small time yeah, buddy buddy, buddy gangster
1: yeah. around town. And um, and this
0: is Jason Robards, yeah, one and of my fi- favorite characters in the movie.
1: Yes, and finally we have a beautiful widow.
0: Claudia Cardinelli. Claudia Cardinelli.
1: Jill. Who we, we find out more about throughout the film. Mm-hmm. You know, and those that sort of compile, those people interacting together in different ways sort of makes the film. Who is the businessman? What is his name? Do we know? Morton. Mr. Morton. Mr. And Mr. it's Morton. Morton Railroad. Yes.
0: So this is all about the coming of the railroad road on its last bit out out west. Yes. Come all the way from the
1: Atlantic. He wants to see the Pacific before he dies of whatever weird illness that he has. Yes. They say, he isn't it like, like tuberculosis, but it's affecting his joints it's or something? something in his bones. Yeah, I don't know. I've
0: never heard the expression tuberculosis of the bones, but that's literally what they say. That is
1: what they say. But said. he has
0: a, a neck brace and a whole body mm-hmm. brace and a contraption to walk around with. And on the train, he's got the scaffolding to yeah. pull himself around. And, um, and Henry Fonda works for him. Yes. Initially, as somebody to remove small obstacles from the passage yes. of the...
1: Small of obstacles. the <laughs> including the, the poor the, family the, 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 the fu- and well, her future future
0: husband of cool. Claudia Cardinelli. She, well,
1: and we we find out that it's not her future husband, it's her actual husband. Yes. They had married when they met a month ago. and so she's every yeah coming out and
0: she's coming out to join her family at that little sweetwater, yeah his property out in the out in the desert. And uh, start a new life. She was worked in a brothel in New Orleans. Yes. Nobody knows that until later on. Well, and although she arrives although find, people
1: suggest that a lot for some reason. I yeah, don't know if it was uh, like her eyelashes or what and, the and deal it, was.
0: The way she was dressed and yeah, stuff too, yeah. maybe. I yeah. don't even know. But um, sophisticated lady from back east. Well, yes. I, don't, I think they picked up that maybe she wasn't a lady. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she arrives. The story basically starts with her arrival to find that her her husband and his his family has been gunned down.
1: Yeah.
0: And the the job has been uh, hung over on made to look like Cheyenne that yeah. has done it. <laughs> and of course it's all part of Frank and Mr. Morton's co-opting That's obstacles well. along the railway.
1: Yeah. Their plan. It's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting introduction that we get into this film because you know, it starts out with with the shootout with um harmonica guy trying and to meet frank and frank doesn't show up and so he shoots the guys that frank the three sends. henchmen
0: who show up instead
1: so that's the opening scene and then the very next scene so like you're kind of trying to get your bearings mm-hmm. and like you don't find out anything about this main character shooty dude at first and then the next scene is this family who like it's actually kind of great. They have they're like talking and going about their day and getting ready for the party they're going to have mm-hmm. for uh, Mr. McBain's new wife coming. Yeah. And um, like as they're talking, like you can hear the cicadas uh-huh. sort of buzzing in the background. And then every once in a while, they just stop, and, and everybody like everybody stops to it. and looks around. And like I, you know. You know, and we can talk about this some more. Sure. I I have seen Westerns. Westerns are not my favorite thing in the world, but I... And I knew know, that I'm, going
0: in when I chose in,
1: I'm familiar with the tropes and everything like that. So that's sort of like when everything goes quiet. But like having seen other Westerns before, I just figured it was going to be engines. you know, um, mm-hmm. is the... Um, Sorry, that's the term they use in in Westerns. um, You can blame it on the searchers. Yeah, the searchers. searchers. It's not a very PC term, but I am borrowing it from. But I I just acknowledge that. (laughs) But there are none in this one. So that's not they aren't the the, you know, much maligned uh, villains that are in so many of the films, which is, you know, part of the reason that I don't often love Westerns. Mm -hmm. But um. You know, I guess if I was going to, like, figure out why I don't really like Westerns, I can't really put my finger on it. I just have this, like, memory of being, like, trapped. Like, maybe when I was in daycare, like, watching hours of, you know, those, you know, Mm -hmm. B Westerns, you know, because... I guess they were really cheap to make and they made a bunch of them. I was reading,
0: I think in the book about this film that the the output of American cinema in the 60s, there was a point, I forget the year they say, but just before this film came out, Westerns made up about I wanna say thirty-two percent or thirty-four percent of all movies being produced That's in Hollywood. That's why there's so many bad Westerns well, I mean, they're, playing round they're the clock like twenty four 7 ubiquitous.
1: And then they and then they were on TV too. Yeah. So like I think what I remember is I was at my my day key house, you mm-hmm, know, um, sure. babysitter's house and like it's a couple old retired people and they've got, you know, AMC or you know, Nickelodeon during the daytime on and there's like episode after episode of Bonanza or something, you know, I don't know, but I just remember being trapped, having to watch those. And so there's this like sort of dread associated with it. Oh, (laughs) great. But that said, that said, the Searchers is one of my favorite movies that I've ever seen. It's so good, you know? So, um, I enjoyed this film, (laughs) um, but it is really interesting structurally.
0: So this movie comes from my my high school years. Again, my first viewing of this movie, and actually the way I encountered it was that the time, I know I mentioned on, before on the show, but when I lived with my sister, we lived a few blocks from the Castro Theater, one of the great rep theaters in the United States, in the United States of America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I must have been going a lot because my first memory of even knowing this movie existed was seeing the trailer for the for they were going to do a re-release. I don't know if there was actually a big re-release at the time or if the castro had just programmed it. Mm. But in those couple of weeks leading up to this, I saw the trailer for, the, for Once Upon a <laughs> Time in the West. Like I don't know, half a dozen times yeah. to the point where I was like, oh my God, you guys show the movie already. But the visuals I saw and then just the whole... I don't know if I went back and I, I later found that it was in my cult movies mm. book too. There's a there's an essay that great cult movies book. I still have it up on the shelf. I'm pointing to it, nobody can see. Yeah. Um and uh, so I ended up seeing the film. So my first this movie was shot, you know, like Cinemascope. Yeah. Needs to be seen on the big screen. It, it I've never seen a movie I've never ex- had an, an experience quite like this where you've got visuals that um, you might have a, a huge wide shot of mm. Monument Valley and and yeah. the little wagon going because they did actually go out to shoot you know in some of those great locations mm. from the Searchers or the John Ford movies and you're just or you're going to have a the the town with cattle driving the background of the shot going through while a character's walking in the foreground yeah. and all of that detail. But you also have like extreme close-ups, and it's this just ballet of movement and music, and mm. um, it's so such a heightened kind of cinema. The, yeah, the, the way it's so <laughs> this stylized world where the 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 visuals and the way people move through the frame and the way it's edited and uh, and aligned uh, in sync with the music, mm. it's, it's just sweeping and yeah. magnificent. So it got me on. On the level of movies itself and the language of filmmaking, but it also got me on, oh my God, this is so good. They talk all in like <laughs> little pithy aphorisms yeah. and stuff like that, you know, and uh, Charles Bronson and Henry Fonda, these are all like larger than life, just huge monumental And then, literally, huge, monumental. I told you about the extreme close-up of Charles Bronson's Mm -hmm. face. Yes, it looks like the surface of Mars or something. Yeah, there's a shot that's basically in cinemascope of his eyes with his his forehead and bridge of his nose. Yeah, it goes in so close. (laughs) I think you actually see the zoom going in, Mm -hmm. and it's going to lead to a flashback. And yeah, but it's insane. Some of the Mm -hmm. stuff in this film. I love it. I've always loved it. I think I. I may be misremembering, but I think I saw it with my best friend Greer at the time. Mm. And it quickly became one of my favorite movies of that period. I've revisited, like I saw it a lot, but, you know, I found it on tape and I made my sister watch it. Yeah. Um, And so we got to see this. Reason we're covering it now on the show is it it was playing in its gorgeous new restoration. It was all restored again about ten years ago, maybe mm. a little by Scorsese and the Film Foundation and all that kind of stuff. And it was playing at Austin Film Society so, uh, on the big screen. It's the first time I've seen it on the big screen since since that first time at the Castro. Yeah, and. I'm sorry, I know it's a long fucking movie. It's like almost three hours long, but I just sat there as if it was 15 minutes long mm-hmm. or 20 minutes long and I It just, doesn't feel like, that long. I was it sm- really like doesn't. The, the leader came up with the yeah. Warner with the Paramount thing yeah. and the and it, it opens on that first 10-minute sequence or so. I don't know exactly how long, the 10-minute sequence of the guys sitting in the trains of the henchmen in the train station. it's well,
1: fascinating? They're running the credits the whole time. That's like the they just pop sequence. up all weird. You know, and and they're not well, distracting or anything. They're just no. like, here's a credit. It's the you know? credit sequence. Yeah.
0: You used to always run all the credits yeah. on the beginning of a movie. Yeah. But in the James Bond movies, it's always being had centered.
1: Like... It's like, there's one over yeah. here. So and... it's
0: basically cold open on this sequence with.
1: Or when with... there's when the guy's sweeping it, like comes uh-huh. in as if it's dust or something like that, which must have been really hard to do in 1968. But you <laughs>
0: have this like eight minute <laughs> sequence of the three henchmen just waiting at the train station. Just waiting. Yeah. Standing there, waiting, the flies buzzing on the one guy's face. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, I can't even, I don't even know what it would be like to see that for the first time and go like, this, nothing is happening. Why yeah. are we watching this?
1: <laughs> it did not do very well commercially initially, I don't think, um, which I guess is why so it's in the cold we can movie talk book. about that
0: later, but it flopped in the States <laughs> yeah. in the version that it was cut down to. Yeah. They chopped out about 20 minutes. Yeah. The, the European film version was a hit. Yeah. Yeah. It it was, and that's the version we saw last night, the original two hour and 45 minute.
1: Yeah.
0: But they chopped it way down for a release here and it just didn't play. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's sort of my background. Yeah. I always wanted to show it to you. I've had the, I have the DVD, I have the Blu-ray, but I was like, the reason we're covering this now is because damn it, it was on the big screen Yeah. and <laughs> it actually worked in our schedule. I'm like, we have to go see this. <laughs> and then it's a Sergio Leone movie. Yeah. And you can't see a Sergio Leone m- movie there without the Ennio Morricone music. Yeah. And so this just is like got one of those crazy dramatic scores where everyone has their own musical motif and you've got the guitars and the mariachi horns and the, and the guitar. It's just. And the harmonica. Yeah. The terrible harmonica. The ter- it's okay. <laughs> <sighs> so. That's what that's that's my entry point. Yeah. Discuss. Discuss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what yeah. did you
0: respond to in this movie, or what?
1: Well, you know, it's it's interesting because like I felt like for the first, and it is like nearly half an hour before you figure out which characters are the characters that you. Who I are mean, we like, following? yeah, and essentially until Claudia Cardinelli shows up on screen, which is like. I think it's like the third scene, and the and the scenes are not short. Short, yeah. But like you know, it's interesting because hearing you talk about about you know restoring it and 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 all of that stuff, that I was wondering if Scorsese. You know, because like sixty eight is pretty late in in the western mm-hmm. sort of thing. I think it started in the forties, maybe thirties, oh, yeah. and then I think like by the late sixties, westerns were kind of on their way out. Oh, so yeah. this was pretty late in the in the. And then like you know, we have we're about four years from the mid seventies when we started having Scorsese and the sort of new, you know new wave yeah. of directors in the United States sort of coming through and changing cinema, but I see a lot of that in in filmmakers, especially in Scorsese, but um, you know, well, Tarantino, Tarantino as well, says which this. is much later. But Tarantino you know.
0: flat out says that this is the film that made him want to be a film director. Oh. Like he wrote the, the, there's this wonderful new book that came out. I'm holding <laughs> it up. You can't see it. It's a beautiful like coffee table hardback called Once Upon a Time in the West Shooting a Masterpiece by Christopher Frayling. I love mm-hmm. it. It's gorgeous. It's got all the photos and production stuff inside, but it also has a foreword by Quentin Tarantino.
1: Mm. And
0: by foreword by Quentin Tarantino, Basically, they interviewed Quentin and then tried to transcribe it. So okay. it, readability is—it
1: <laughs> has his enthusiasm. Yes,
0: he says he says flattering things about the film yeah. in his excitable sort of way. Yeah, um, but he does go on about how like this this is one of the films that taught him how to direct that he. He's always wanted to be that kind of a filmmaker. Yeah. And his new film is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. It's very clearly a well, reference I to... Well, I
1: hope that it's more like this than the last Western that he did, which I did not enjoy at all. But um... Yet I can't comment because I've <laughs> yeah. never seen it. I know you haven't seen it, but... um that one...
0: I bet the, some of the shots in that would probably well, look like that Look like that outpost sh- in the... Well, in that's the,
1: the thing, is, like, it's mostly shot in one yeah. location. You know, I feel like this moves around a lot, so we get to see different locations. Django's a
0: Western, basically. Yeah, I mean,
1: like, you're really making use of that yeah. beautiful, wide screen that it's shot in, and, like, you get to see, like, the full panorama of... You know, and it, it just makes the scale different, and then if you contrast it with those close-ups... You know, whereas I don't, we didn't get that same feeling in the, in the Quentin Tarantino one. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, where was I going to go? Um, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I can't, um, in terms of like, where was I uh, with spaghetti westerns back Mm -hmm. then? I don't, I don't think like, I'm not sure I had seen the dollars movies before I saw Once Upon a Time in the West. I think that I had seen some maybe an hour or so of Good to Bad and the Ugly. Yeah. No, actually for a few dollars more. That's what it was. At a friend's house. Like it's like, yeah. you know, you spend the night at your friend's house when you're like 11 and his dad's watching a Clint Eastwood mm. Western kind of thing. And I thought it was interesting, but I don't, didn't really know what it was. I remember it was for a few dollars more. It was seeing this that made me go back and then see Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more and the Good to Bad and the Ugly and like the best one ever is a The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I I love this movie more, but I also really love The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly.
1: You know, and I have seen... I think I've seen all three of that series, but it's been so long. And I want to say I was, like, somewhere in the 10 to 14-year-old range when I saw them. So, like, this is, like, very... This is thirty-year-old memory at this point of of well, those. I saw you know. this when
0: I was fifteen or sixteen. I see,
1: I remember there's like a funny guy in one of them. Tuco. Yes, exactly. That's let's
0: think about the ugly. <laughs> he's the ugly.
1: You know. So the, yeah. So I mean, like, I have a vague memory of watching them with my family at Christmas time, probably. Yeah. Um, but I just don't really have much memory of them at all. I'm not.
0: Like so, you.
1: I remember the wow, that noise. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Oh, you mean
1: oh, that noise? Yes, wow, wow. There we okay. go.
0: <laughs> See, they all have that great signature. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned like how you kind of have that turn off thing about west, like yeah. westerns are not your thing. I don't really like. I would never say like I'm a fan of westerns. Yeah, but because I was always interested in movies, like. I liked them for being good movies, but I never like sought out like, I really feel like seeing a Western. It's just, you know, there's about five or six movies that are among my favorite films that happen to be Westerns. And I also never really got into spaghetti Westerns. I mean, Mm. uh, Tarantino and a lot of these people get like way into all the obscure spaghetti Westerns and well for give me, me
1: italian horror films from the same period i'm all about okay. that you know for so. me it's, this,
0: it's once upon a time in the west the good the bad and the ugly it's, it's sergio leone because i love once upon yeah. a time in america and i've been rewatching that this month it's four hours long and yeah. it's in its restored version and so i'm now only halfway through that it's taken like two weeks to do that in, in our busy life but um i don't know i'm gonna i can go on all. T- yeah. i just love this I don't yep. know. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: You know, one of the things that I and I, I said this to you last night, but like I'm a big fan of The Wire, mm-hmm. and I think it's a great, and we just haven't gotten around to watching it because it's such, but. Something about the scope of this reminded me of that. And the sort of complicatedness of the characters, you know, that we don't always know the Well, we don't know the motive of the hero character at all. We don't know everything about this, you know, woman who's come all the way out to the West to, mm-hmm. you know, is she, was she in love? Was she just trying to make a fortune? Was she just trying to get out of the brothel business? Like, what is... I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting how complex those characters are. You know, there's that really great scene where um, a harmonica guy has just threatened Frank. And then he sees that Frank's men have turned on him. So he helps Frank... You know, mm-hmm. escape with his life from these. But you realize yeah. he does
0: that because he's saving Frank for himself. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But Nobody, and we still don't know what his motive no, is. No, we for, don't know his motive. Know, That's yeah. a
0: there's a there's a revenge story at the heart of this, and yeah. it's something in their past that we don't get to see until the very until the the final. Of course, it has the gunfight at yeah. the end. But um, yeah, he he helps Frank escape from his own guys killing him. Yeah. Because nobody else should have the right to kill Frank. It's him. It's him. <laughs> this it's, it's yeah. guy's for me. Yeah. And also, he, there. I mean, he could have easily killed Frank at any point in the film. Yeah. But what's important for him is to have that moment. Yeah. Frank needs to know who he is and why he's come back and what he's paying for. Yeah. And until that can happen in the right way. He's, yeah, he's going to keep Frank alive. Well,
1: his, it's so interesting because, like, not only does he, like, focus on this revenge thing, but he, like, helps out, you know, Miss Mac- Mrs. McBain. He doesn't have to well, do that. You know, that doesn't really, you know. No,
0: but that's, like, a that's a yeah. classic Western yeah. trope is the stranger comes into town yeah. and helps everybody out and then walks away, yeah. right? And that's yeah. what the Dollars trilogy is, mm-hmm. even though he's morally, and yeah. you know, he's an antihero kind of thing. But he comes in. Well, fistful of dollars, yeah. gets six everybody on each other and cleans up the town. <laughs> um, yeah. So I like that too. He he stays and he keeps Jill alive. <laughs> yeah. Sets in motion the makes it possible for her to establish ha- the station and the town on that nothing piece of property yeah. that actually was purchased for a reason. That
1: crazy Irishman. That and crazy him, yeah. Irishman
0: bought it By years the, and years yeah. ago <laughs> because he knew the railroad was going to come. Yeah, these yeah. are all tropes. Yeah. These, these have all been done in a million movies, but the combination is just right. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say like the characters are complicated because I was reading in that book mm. how they, when they were going to make this film, they intentionally like watched tons and tons of Westerns and the, the guys who wrote this, it it was written by Sergio Leone, Dario, Dario Argento and Bernardo Bertolucci when they were young and like in film school, like he met them and he Mm. was like, I want these guys, I want to do something with them. They're part of the new whole, like kind of new wave sort of thing and they watch tons of movies like it's all yeah. steeped in all the clichés and then they intentionally started with that let's just throw all that shit in yeah here. all of it let's just yeah. put all that in let's take well all and you
1: do feel that it feels like well all they, of that yeah, you know
0: a, i think i marked the quote in here but they <laughs>
1: there's like a creepy cafe in the middle of nowhere where everybody meets you know <laughs> well that comes out of mythology
0: if you talk yeah, to Joseph it's Campbell true. And the, Yeah, camel um, yeah but Uh, He said, um, Leone said, Once upon a time in the West began under the pretext of a nothing story Mm -hmm. with conventional characters as an attempt to reconstruct the America of that epoch to see it live its last moments. We place these characters in an epic context, that of the first economic boom, which is about to make the great romantic epoch of the West disappear. Umberto Eco later said about the film, Leone's Western represents the cinema of frozen archetypes, If a film contains one frozen archetype, everyone says the film is terrible. But if it contains a dozen of them, it becomes sublime. It (laughs) becomes art. The frozen archetypes, which have stood the test of time, are holding a reunion. And so they took the silent Avenger, the romantic bandit, the ruthless businessman, the sadistic killer, the dance hall girl, the coming of the railroad, and then like... Put it all in one thing. Yeah, put it in the mixer and then gave it that sort of production design and (laughs) scope of actually making that world look real.
1: I think, and like, one of the things about this is there's actually relatively little dialogue for, 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 mu- I mean, like, at all. I mean, which is why you remember the lines, because there aren't many at all, you know.
0: I think that's partly yeah. because it's an Italian yeah. production yeah. being shot with the American actors. This was, I think. But the,
1: the, that sort of absence of explanation allows you to, it's like. Oh, it's, you
0: fill it all in. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: like the ghost movie that with. You know, like you, you know, allow yourself to create those emotions.
0: Are you talking in- about a ghost story?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, go- the one with Casey yeah, Affleck? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where
0: he's wearing the, the Let's sheet? not
1: mention him, but yeah. <laughs> we can mention <laughs> yeah, it. Okay. It's a good film. Yeah, it is a good film. But I mean, like essentially just by having that sort of blank space. So like the scene that I, I mean, like, and it makes most sense that it would be particularly affecting, but essentially Frank captures Jill at one point. Right. And like he is, you know, not aggressively using her, but, you know, engaged in in activities with her, you know, and and like she is responding as if she's interested out of self-interest. And I, I don't know, I I had a lot of um, complex emotions watching that particular scene. I did too, seeing you this know? so many
0: years later.
1: yeah. You know, just just knowing that you know.
0: In my head, I was running through what's going through her head right now. Yeah, she may be thinking to get out of this. I'll just do what I always do, and and then it will be over.
1: Yeah, which she had said to. um,
0: She says earlier on, like they can just throw me on the table, and it will be just the same as always, just another filthy memory. Yeah, and remember, she's trying to get out of the brothel business in New Orleans, but.
1: You know, yes. what, what's what's it, that to trade for her life? Is is what she, is the point she's making? You know, which is like terrible that that anyone has to make that choice. But, no, but you know, and I remember,
0: he has taken her to his like hideaway yeah. in, in, in a in a in the cliffs dwelling. You yeah, know, like she's his prisoner. <laughs> yeah, he can kill her. Yeah, Um but that's a tough scene.
1: Yeah, it is. It really There's is There's a
0: lot of stuff about her that's kind of tough. But well, I mean, she's, she's also... a woman
1: alone. She in is. an environment that is mostly men and mostly men who don't have women readily available, and that's
0: but you know what,
1: just an unfortunate.
0: I, I think she's a great character <laughs> yeah. and she's a great woman in this film, and she's the probably I think she's the first like strong female protagonist in yeah. this sort of a spaghetti western in any yeah. of Leone's movies. And um, she's just great.
1: She is. It's. I
0: mean, yeah. I know it. I mean, both the character and Claudia Cardinale. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cast somebody who has presence like that, and you get the emotional depth. Also, yeah. You also get emotional depth when you lay over the operatic music every, every yeah. time, <laughs> and you have the you know the that that Jill's theme play every time well, she comes on camera. You
1: gaming. know, I mean, like, uh, gosh, it's just. I think the other thing that I mentioned is the sort of Frank is like wanting to sort of step out of the gangster business, and he's interested in becoming more of a businessman, you know, and that's like a theme that comes up in the the thing, you know.
0: This is supposed to be a movie about the end of the West. I mean, this is supposed to be there's there's a line at the end where they say, like, we're a dying breed or something like that. Yeah, I think. And it's this idea that the gunfighters like Frank and, and Charles Bronson, Harmonica and. Like this is their day is done. And Frank is trying to transition from being like gunfighter on the on the prairie or whatever, yeah. you know, outlaw to being the money guy. Yeah. He wants to be the partner, he wants to take over the railroad thing. He wants to end up behind the desk with his feet up, counting out bills instead of
1: Yeah, that's funny that that they I don't know that we have this like romance. That's another thing that may be a little eye for me about Westerns is that there's this idea that there was like this time. I mean, and it's a human thing. There's this time of great heroes and terrible villains, and they fought against each other. And you know, this movie is supposed to
0: be a commentary on that kind of movie. Exactly. That's why they looked at all the westerns and said, "Let's do kind of." Yeah. Their intention was (laughs) let's kind of do a postmodern sort of. But then you know, and then
1: they turn around and you do the same thing with gangsters. And there's there's a time you know in the early part of the century when our cities were building into the big industrial you know, powerhouses that they are now, you know, and there'll be another series of that. I don't know what the next one is in space or, you know, whatever the... <laughs> Whatever space the next space gangster. Once upon a time in, in well, we already have well, space gangster. Once upon a time comes. in Hollywood, coming. Yes, yeah. So
0: I'm sure Tarantino. I don't know. Maybe Tarantino thinks of it as his Leone movie. Well, of, and all
1: the Wall Street movies. That's like a thing now. You know, it's all the same sort of thing. Like there's honorable okay. men, and there's evil well, people who are out for themselves. I will and say
0: that the scope of Leone's. Once Upon a Time in America, the one he did in the 80s about gangsters, even though it tells s- several decades and it's, it, it, and it's about, you know, these Jewish gangsters turn of the yeah. century, well, the prohibition era um, until the 60s, I think. Um, it doesn't, I mean, it is this, it is a, it's ultimately a small story about these friends. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't even, it doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> it, it doesn't Pretend to be. This is the story of yeah, all gangsters. Of all I don't gangster, think yeah. he's doing that. He <laughs> no. actually found a story that he really liked at the heart of it. The, the this small gang. I, was, of I wasn't
1: talking about that in particular. Yeah, well, I was talking I about gangster films as well, a genre. You that. know.
0: <laughs> he actually wanted to make Once Upon a Time in America as far back as when. Yeah, yeah, were, I saw that. And they wouldn't. Nobody would. Back well, he yet. won
1: after he finished the the. The Dollars trilogy, he wanted to be done with westerns. Yeah. And they. That's the
0: only thing they'll. They buy. pulled him back
1: in. Paramount was like, you know, give us one more and you can work with Henry Fonda. And then, you know. And, then, and I'm
0: sure he was like, Henry Fonda. And he's going to play the heavy. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be the baddie.
1: Yeah.
0: And he's really bad. He is it's really, really quite, bad. It's really disarming and effective and off putting to have Henry Fonda play that role. Yeah. It's. He comes across as more evil than any other than another yeah. actor in the same role because, you know, Henry Fonda is young Abe, young Lincoln, and he's Tom Joad in the Grapes of Wrath, mm. and he, you know, all and he's you know the comic screwball comedy guy in the in Adam uh, what? Adam Trip. No. no, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> the other one with Adam.
1: I can't think of what. Sorry, it is.
0: yeah, the uh, Preston Sturges comedy. Oh, um, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Where
1: he's I do. He's he's
0: the guy who studies reptiles with Barbara Stanwyck and all that. Kind yeah, of yeah,
1: stuff. yes. Uh, Sullivan's Travels.
0: No, it has Adam in the title, the, which is why I'm getting it mixed up. Okay, and it'll come yeah. to me in about ten and seconds. That's, and so that's
1: gonna... not Sullivan's Travels at all.
0: No. Um. <laughs> anyway.
1: Well, you, you know, have
0: a character who is always good and wholesome and funny and heartwarming and dad and all of that. And all of a sudden he's like, well, he, I read that he guns he... down a 10-year-old child or a nine, yeah. you know, like because he family. knows his
1: name, yeah.
0: Which is really shocking yeah. still to have the little boy run out. I just thought it was
1: a waste. They could have recruited him to the team, but, you know. Well. <laughs> <laughs> After some amount of, uh, you know, brainwashing and such, like you know, and the like. <laughs> Maybe they just don't have time for raising little gangsters, you know, in this day and age. I guess not. You know, there weren't many children. That was the only kid in the whole movie, actually, now that I think on it. It's true.
0: But there is a cast of thousands. Yes. I mean, not of speaking parts, <laughs> but the detail that goes into every frame of this film is just staggering.
1: You know what was interesting to me is that, so when we're watching the film, the credits, I was interested to see where it was filmed because it was obviously Monument Valley, that one scene. Yeah, that one scene. Um, in the In the credits, it says... Uh, Arizona and Utah but I just read on here that actually a lot of it was filmed just like the other ones in Spain Spain and um, um, I forget where else some in Italy I think they came out of here
0: to to shoot some of the big money shots Mm -hmm. right of the recognizably yeah uh, yeah
1: and then the, there was stage work in Rome, you know, Cina so he Cita, didn't even yeah. shoot in the U.S. really. No, the
0: whole production wasn't yeah. over here. But they but to get to come over here was the first time that he got to shoot over here.
1: That's really interesting. Like, I just... I I'm
0: Like, if I have budget to shoot over there, hell yeah, I'm going to shoot some John Ford stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I just wonder, like, so he's... Paramount gave him money. You know, they probably would have let him use... But he, I guess, went with what he was familiar with or...
0: I can't you know, tell you enough, but yeah. I don't know that anything here was on the scale as that Cinecitta still was back then, yeah. probably. I mean, you made, Fellini was making entire cities and stuff in those sound stages. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he had... He,
1: well, and probably without unions that we had here in the States, it well, was probably use, much cheaper to build it European there. he can use European crew yeah. over
0: there, so yeah. that's... He was, well, and they
1: speak the same language, which is probably working. helpful. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, that's why the script is the way it is yeah you're talking about it's all in aphorisms, and there's not much dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think this is the i think this was the first film that was that was um shot in English, yeah entirely in English, oh. written in English instead of just being dubbed so um, English
1: has a lot of words, you know not as many other languages don't have as many words as we do well, you know
0: say that <laughs> you know how a lot of actors like want. More mm-hmm. lines in yeah. the movie to make it feel like their parts bigger and all that yeah. kind of how many like pages do I get? All that Clint Eastwood on the Dollars trilogy was always asking for less and less, yeah. lines He just was gonna, I, I'll just be,
1: yeah, on, on screen, be
0: on screen. <laughs> I will be a badass. <laughs> we don't need a speech here.
1: Well, and that was the interesting thing, too, is like it's really quiet, and then like they with the music and the long shots, you have this like building tension. Mm-hmm. that happens and not a lot of movies don't take the time to build that tension, you know you know, they expect from the context of the words that are said or the you know they're I think that 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 sort of that quiet scene where they're negotiating about the the land between oh, yeah. yeah and you know, there's there's not very many words exchange. He's like, here's five thousand dollars plus a dollar, you know and you know he essentially—I don't think he ever even says no. He just doesn't. No. You know he doesn't even you know respond. But there's all, there's like they're not aggressive. There aren't guns out, but you can tell that the threat in the air just mm-hmm. just from that that sort oh, of interaction. And you what each
0: of them are capable of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true.
0: Charles Bronson is not a nice guy. No. He happens to be on the good side. <laughs> yeah. But we also see him very brutal in the movie, yeah. especially with that little henchman, the Chinese laundry guy. Yeah.
1: So one question I almost asked you last night, yeah. but I wasn't sure. Um, so there's the great, like, towards the end of the movie, when all the all of Frank's men have turned on him because Cooper has paid them off, essentially. You know. Morton. Yeah, Morton. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know why Cooper came. I don't from. know.
0: Different Agent Cooper is not in this. But,
1: but then, so we don't see what happens at the train that that Morton is on. But we get this long tracking shot of all the dead gangsters outside of the train. So what I wanted to know is, like, what happened there? Okay. Did Frank? I mean, did no, Cheyenne's men do that? Yes, okay, that's,
0: <laughs> that was Cheyenne's escape. Okay, so um, they. You know, they arrange for the purchase of Jill's property and Mm -hmm. to go back to her and for that to be all okay because Cheyenne agrees to be um, turned over for the reward money for the $5,000 that we're talking about. But his his capture and incarceration doesn't take place the way he thinks it is. He thinks they're just going to put him in the local jail again and Keenan Wynn as the sheriff is like, "No, nope. this time you're going to the federal penitentiary down the road. Yeah. They've got walls that are this thick. You're going onto the train. Yeah. You you know, and so you have this kind of oh shit look in his face like yeah. he's gonna he's got to get out somehow. So you, I actually really like that you don't yeah. see what happened. Yeah. But that's the that's what happened from his escape. Okay. And, you know, he gets shot in by the, Morton, yeah. of all people. Did oh, really? you get that? No, I missed that The irony of that is beautiful. It's yeah. in, in one of those last lines at the, at the very end, yeah. you know, that last scene with Cheyenne and Harmonica as they're riding away from yeah. Jill. And he says, can you believe it? Out of all of this, Morton's the one who got me. Yeah. Who would have expected, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but, you know, who would have ever thought I never counted on him having
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: a gun. It was the last thing in the world that I thought. And then he also has that line about when it's your turn to go, pray that, that you get somebody who knows where to, shoot. Know to shoot. Got yeah. him in a gut shot, <laughs> yeah. which is really painful. And it it's is. It's a slow, bloody, you know, awful. <laughs> but um, Morton got him, the money yeah. guy.
1: Interesting. Well, I, I anyway, that shot is really cool, um, mm-hmm. you know, because they've got essentially, it's just a big long tracking shot across. There's like thirty dead, uh-huh. dead guys, you know, and the and the camera's low and it shoots like right, uh-huh. you know. It's right. It's a
0: tracking shot yeah. along uh the, along the side of the train with all with going past the bodies and 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 the mayhem that's yeah. left behind, and you end up with um, it's Henry Fonda coming back to find yeah. to find this, and he walks around the other side of the train and he finds Morton crawling towards. That Some little water. trickling water in a, mm. in a in a in a whatever gulch or whatever, yeah. and um, one of those touches that I just love—it's such a Sergei Leone touch—and he does it a couple <laughs> times in the movie. Is you have this whole like goal of Morton to make it to the Pacific Ocean, and he won't won't rest until yeah. he arrives. And see. and so there's several times in the movie like where he looks at the painting on uh, in the uh, in his train car yeah. in his office in the train car of the ocean waves. And you hear on the soundtrack the the sound of the waves yeah. rushing. There's, I mean, it's completely not diegetic sound. It's like in his head and his imagination. Yeah. But they do it again at the moment of his death when he's mm. crawling into the the water and his head is just a you know just a millimeter, a couple inches above that little trickle of dirty creek water running yeah. down. And you hear the ocean go.
1: <laughs> and it's like you made it.
0: This is your this yeah. is your Pacific Ocean. Yeah. That's what you wanted. And I just like that touch. Well, I, I mean, the, it's kind of heavy handed, yeah. but it's, it really works in the yeah.
1: movie. Well, I mean, like, I don't think that, that any of this could be... I mean, like, the characters are complicated, but none of them are subtle, yeah. you know, at all. You know, and I don't... I, also, I I don't know if they tried to do some messaging about, like, the combination of, like, you know, violence and and money in in regards to power. And, you know, like... You know, both are effective, but you like essentially you needed to have both in order to have the kind of power Mm -hmm. that, you know, the the able bodied man didn't have the money and the, you know, not able bodied man had the money but didn't have the physical Uh prowess. And and essentially they ended up canceling each other out because, you know, you know, money guy can pay off whoever they want, but, you he's know, it's vulnerable end, and, yeah, to whoever's always, holding the gun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's interesting that, um, that, you know, when their partnership dissolved is when they both sort of lost essentially, you know, you know, not that we wanted them to combine their, you know, immoral, immoral ways or anything like that. I don't like really
0: that. care that Henry Fonda doesn't end up partners with yeah. Morton. <laughs> I don't think that would be a good idea.
1: Well, our, our, but, you know, there's that sort of thing like a sophisticated money man, even, even if he is able-bodied, can't really get along in an environment where there's anarchy. You need the sort of social order of things in order mm-hmm. for that sort of financial thing to, you know, to work. Because then, then you're left with, you know, people against people. And I don't know.
0: <laughs> so... Jason Robarts It's interesting in you have these larger than life characters you know the the mm-hmm. four what is it the four principals right? Charles yeah. Bronson Claudia Cardinale Henry Fonda Jason Robarts they all have their own style of acting yeah. and for me I just really love the you have again he's sort of the comic yeah. character right Yeah He's I mean he
1: he's his, not slapstick though No right?
0: no his actions have weight and yeah. he but he feels but he often is the one who has the line to lighten. It's yeah. his job to kind of lighten things. Sometimes. Well, I
1: mean, he's the character that things trickle off him. He's resilient. He doesn't, you know, he's the water, off, like off a duck's back. It just kind of, yeah. you know,
0: but he plays it so naturally. Yeah. He's just so, so likable in a mm. way. Um, and his, and his reading of, of that character yeah. is, uh, is, he's not an evil guy. He's yeah. not a bad guy. You, you know, when he does something yeah. nasty, like hiding his gun in the in the boot, yeah. you know, it's very <laughs> clever. Yeah. You're kind of like, that's awesome. Yeah, Good one. <laughs> but I just, I really love that character. He has all the best dialogue in the film. Why does He has he, the most dialogue in the film. Why does he
1: end up helping... Harmonica guy? Is it just that he I think he's just clearing? Them? He, he's
0: clearing his name initially, but oh, he, that's right. He, he doesn't
1: want to blame. He people likes like, Jill. He yeah. connects with Jill right mm-hmm. away,
0: and whatever it is, he says yes. He needs to clear his name because they're trying to hang the, the murders on yeah. him, and you know, by leaving scraps of his men's dusters yeah. and all that. You know, <laughs> this is just as good as a signature. Yeah. You wouldn't know this, Mrs. McBain, but this is just. <laughs> as, we're gonna go right now to find him. Um, but he he's drawn to help Jill. Yeah. I think he kind of loves Jill too. Anyway. Well,
1: and that that was interesting cuz I thought that everybody was setting up some situation where I mean like I was pretty sure that harmonica guy was setting it up so that um you know, Cheyenne and his men had they would help out her and yeah. you know that there would there would be it would provide for for all of those people and then like at the end when Cheyenne says that he He's not the right man either, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" And then, well, then we find out that he's been shot in the stomach. But you know, um, but at that point, I was like, "Wait, what? What? I don't understand what's going on." But then it become it becomes all too clear. But well, wow, he didn't I think stay. I
0: think that that again, this goes back to the the he, essay topic that yeah. Sergio Leone is doing is that these these guys' days are over and they don't belong here in civilization. Yeah. Jill is going to start a new town. You know, the the west as it was, this frontier outpost yeah. is no more. This is civilization. These dinosaurs have no place here. They ha- they can't stay. Yeah. And I think it's kind of that. It's almost yeah.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I
0: But he's too restless. He's a, he is a uh, you know, he's a thief and a gunman. Yeah. What's he going to do? Settle down there with Jill? she's like maybe so no well i'm
1: just i'm having trouble because it's sort of like and because it comes towards the end of westerns as a genre really Mm -hmm. for for i mean it's westerns still don't happen very often now no it's we're going on like 50 years almost of they're not being westerns as much so like I mean, like, I understand as a culmination of that, that it's, it's beautiful and wonderful. And that when I think of, but because it's a culmination of all the things that Westerns were, like, it also brings up all those, those sort of like this, that, you know, men have certain roles in society, and women have other roles in society, and how that sort of Western sort of represented it was a media representation of a cultural mm-hmm. thing that like held America captive for you know for that's still holding America captive in a way that we're finally, I hope, starting to break away from this like specific specific roles for specific yeah. people and you know, I I don't know, it's This film, I think, transcends that, but it also brings to mind all of those things as well. That's the paradox of this film
0: is because they want to comment on this Mm -hmm. as a genre and as that sort of mythic false Mm -hmm. view of the West. Yeah. And it also knows about the history of the Western film, like in every element of the script. And yet... It is a western, yeah. and it pushes all of those buttons. It's, it while seems
1: self-aware. It seems it is more, self-aware,
0: uh, and yet it also is one of them. Yeah,
1: exactly. But it's.
0: I do think it. I think it transcends it. Well, <laughs> I
1: mean, it's just like you know, there's certain people who just romanticize the sa- It's yeah. the same period of time in American culture, which is like the 40s through the through the mid 60s. Mm-hmm. They sort of romanticize this. This is a great time when we were progressing and. You know, like people cared about America and all this like bullshit, you know, and it's the same time those people were being all romantic about the 1880s where like men were men and women were women. And, you know, it's the same sort of like pining for something that never existed. Mm -hmm. The West never existed like that. The 50s and 60s never existed like we imagined them to be. They were just as hard and tough and terrible in their own ways you know, I mean, and, and like, the thing is, is we don't acknowledge the progress that we've made, how much things are better, <laughs> you know, romanticizing this time when we didn't have, you know, like when women couldn't work and women couldn't have credit cards and, you know, or when women couldn't do anything and but work in brothels. No, no, when there's no
0: law, you can walk out and get gunned <laughs> yeah, down at yeah, any exactly. moment. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Why is it? that
1: better? Why is that? Why is that? Anyway, you know, so I feel like it is, it, it's, it's. It's looking backwards, but it's also looking forwards in a way. And it, you can see how influential it's been on, on so many filmmakers, you know. But as a, as a film and as a... Leone
0: is such a master. It, he knows how to tell a story. I always want to say he's a visual f- filmmaker because there's so much that is done in the rhythm of the shots and the pacing and the tension and sometimes an almost comic book, like yeah. juxtaposition of images to like how the way a scene is, is told and how the whole story is told. But then you do have th- that just crazy monumental Ennio Morricone music. Yeah. So it isn't like, it would definitely play differently if you turn the sound down and watch yeah. it. But, and I, I can't separate them and I feel like, I'm aware that he's pushing my butt. Like, he's manipulating. Yeah. Me. Like, he is... The this, this score becomes very rousing and romantic as as the camera pans, you mm. know, uh, goes up on a crane over the this virgin new city with the railroad coming yeah. in. Jill, you know, at the very ending with Jill coming out there to give water to the... the the railroad workers and we're high above everything. And we've, this is a long way away from that barren plot of land in the beginning. You see this form and it's beautiful and it's romantic and it does have, it pushes all of those buttons of the the sweeping, like cinematic kind of thing. And it's so damn good, but yeah, yeah, it is all artifice and Mm. it's all a master storyteller director, like, like Hitchcock
1: yeah was able oh, to exactly. do Oh exactly I was thinking about Like, Psycho I know just how now. to
0: make you feel yeah. I can I can make you feel how I want you to feel by putting these three shots together yeah. and and putting on the score mm-hmm. And I think um Tarantino did this cuz he learned it from um from Leone but I think Leone often ha- I th- I think I'm not 100% sure but I'm going to I'll go back and look at this. I think he often had some of the music scored ahead of time and so he was directing with knowing Mm. the length of shots and how when the camera would need to move and and to have that choreography built into the very conception of you know when you're shooting it yeah so that's how you have that crane (laughs) shot with the the music sweeping up and the operatic voice singing and you know at exactly the right moment it's not all just done in post-production it's from the very conception of the film
1: you know, it's interesting. I I can't remember if it was a essay that I read or a like a a video essay that I saw on like YouTube or something. Yeah. But talking about how um, talented film directors can do this thing where they subvert your expectations while making it making it clear that that's the direction that you're heading so when you when the unexpected happens you're ready for it mm-hmm. to happen so your brain can can absorb it because if something entirely unexpected happens sometimes your brain can't process that that change so they yeah. have to do that through the music through the tone through the camera movement they have mm-hmm. to say something's coming be ready for it you know, be ready for it. I guess that's that It's tension. like a
0: cicada stopping, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Where every,
1: you actually have
0: the characters yeah. on screen reacting to the change in the sound. Yeah. yeah. And so then you really know I need to react to the yeah. change. Something's going to happen. And I don't yeah. know what.
1: Well, and it's, it's funny, like how, how well some, some good directors can just like pull that out. Like, Like, I don't know, just pull it out until it's just a tiny thread. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. it snaps all of a sudden. I don't know. It's, um, yeah, but that, the. So some
0: movies hide their art Mm. and you get lost in them completely in in the story. And then some filmmakers like Hitchcock or Leone, even though I'm completely absorbed, I'm definitely experiencing it as I'm watching a really I'm watching a kick-ass movie right now. I am like I'm aware of the amazing shot on screen or you know all of that.
1: Yeah, it's not. I mean, like it didn't pull me on an emotional Mm -hmm. level the way that that some stuff does. It just it didn't. I mean, and I mean not. I mean like not like the Searchers does, which is like so emotional. That that whole movie is like you know, dried out of you, you know, that that scene at the end where he finally gets to hug her and she, you know, I don't know. It's just I
0: don't think I've had that experience yeah. with the searchers. Yeah. So I need to go back and see that. The,
1: to me it's a very emotional movie, you know
0: yeah.
1: based and focused specifically on one person, the whole movie, you mm-hmm. know, whereas this one it is more ensemble, but but you don't you don't know what the motives are. You can't really mm-hmm sympathize with them or empathize with them because you don't know what they're thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. to an extent, I don't know. Um, yeah.
0: Well, and you're not really invited to Mm -hmm. accept these as real people. I mean, they are archetypes. They are larger than life.
1: Well, you know, when you settle down into a movie and, you know, I think that that's one of the things it does is like, so the first scene you think, okay, that's introduction. That's they're setting up some sort of, thing Mm -hmm. the second second scene you think you're meeting the people that you're going to see the rest of the movie with Mm -hmm. and they're gunned down in five minutes Mm -hmm. you know so like you do sort of develop this sort of emotional tie to this family that Mm -hmm. is living out on the edge of things and they have a new person and you know they have the the middle boy is not very happy about meeting this new stepmom and, and you know, you're ready to sign yeah, on to
0: these are the dynamics we're gonna be following yeah, exactly. how will she do in her and and then family? it's just over like that's gone. Yeah. So So does that what is the that what is the effect of that on meeting the next batch of characters and progressing into the film? Well, I think are you can make you a
1: little more cautious Does in, it make
0: you feel more disconnected oh, yeah. and wary about yeah. Careful who I attach to because it exactly. might not be about them or they yeah. might not stick around for yeah. very long.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. So yeah.
0: It's they're not emotionally moving in that way. No. But I don't know how to describe like <laughs> there's something about the pure <laughs> cinema that is moving yeah, to yeah, me. But exactly. that's not the same thing as feeling like I felt gutted by mm-hmm. what this character's experience yeah. was. It's more like, oh my god, I'm watching Like an opera or something. I don't don't respond that way to opera, but you know what I mean? I'm responding to a work of art.
1: I mean, like, yeah. So if you're, if you're looking at, I don't know, like one of the great works, like the Mona Lisa or something like that, like. I don't know. I've never seen the Mona Lisa. I have no idea. To me, it's just like the idea of the Mona Lisa, you know, and like, I don't know that I would be as moved to see that.
0: Well, Mona Lisa is designed for selfie culture, really. Yeah, yeah. You're just supposed to say that you saw the Mona Lisa. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I guess so. But I mean, like, so I mean, there must be a reason why people think it's such a great painting. So I mean, I'm sure that if, you know, you went on the tour and you heard the tour guide talk about the great you know brushwork or or whatever that you might appreciate it but i don't know if it would ever move me as much as when i went to houston and i saw the empire of the light which is one of my favorite paintings mine too you know and like that i mean like that that painting as is, is at once like nostalgic and interesting and it Where tricks it? the mind it's in houston
0: Okay, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it in person.
1: Yeah, well, it, there's multiple ones. He made mul- multiple They might copies. have one at
0: MoMA, I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, Sorry, anyway. it's
1: green. <laughs> I love that painting. But, I mean, or any other work of art that you've been able to observe and make it a part of yourself mm-hmm. as opposed to something that is magnificent and fascinating because it's part of the
0: canon yeah yeah
1: well i mean like if i'm talking about architecture like i've been learning about like le corbusier who is this great very influential architect but i look at his pieces and i think they're fascinating but they don't move me on the level of well you know
0: This is not an, a fair comparison, <laughs> yeah. but you have all that's thrown into mm. the mix here, right? The yeah. sound, the light, the production, the three years in the making, the this, it cast, the sweeping music, yeah. the like, production design, the cattle in the background, all of that, the fucking gunfights. But give me Umberto D with, yeah. that, with oh the, the Sica's movie with, with, with the old man trying to get his dog back at the ending. And the dog, you know, or yeah. actually he's trying to get the dog to... Re-
1: yeah.
0: It's complete realism, neo-realism. Yeah. But, you know, it's just an old man and a dog and it's devastating. Yeah. And it's like... There's, <laughs> so this is not designed to yeah. do that. This is not that yeah. kind of a film. Um, there are different kinds of films. Yes. <laughs> you don't need to have the uh, mariachi trumpets and the, you know, gunfights. Well,
1: but, I mean, like, just like when you're watching something... And you marvel at how it's made. Yeah. That's as valuable as something that 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 moves you on a different level. It fascinates you in a different way.
0: Well, I'm always curious when I choose a movie for the show, mm-hmm. especially one that came from a time like when I was a teenager or just discovering film, I, I'm often re-encountering it for the first time in a long time. And I always am looking to see, is it still is the there still there? Yeah. Does it, or was it just, is it just like something nostalgic? Yeah. And seeing this movie on the big screen was like, it's still there. It's yeah. still good. It's still got yeah. it. Like, <laughs> I think as the camera, as the, you know, mm-hmm. Paramount leader came up, I was just like, this is the shit. This is good. This is good. Yeah. Be so, I, I mean, just like, it
1: really, and like, despite not having that sort of emotional. I have post.
0: an emotional. Yeah, I know you movie. do. I,
1: but it's still, I mean, like, literally, it did not feel like a two-hour and 46-minute movie. It didn't feel like it was nearly three hours. I was a bit worried yeah. about
0: that. I'm always you know, worried about asking you to watch, yeah. like, a really long movie. Yeah. But we, we've braved Seven Samurai together. Well, there's some movies together. that,
1: like, you feel the weight of every minute that's in that. Like, do we need... Well, you know, and I didn't feel like there was any extra. Why do we
0: live in such a a rush culture where for something to have scope and, you know, take a certain amount of time to grapple with it, that that's like a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like I think about, too, like we always think I don't have the energy to read Brothers Carmel or whatever, you know, like a big book. Oh, my God. It's like 900 pages or something. I, I I don't have time to see a four hour movie. I don't want to see a three hour movie. We think it's going to take demand too much yeah. of us, but sometimes those really good ones like Seven Samurai or Once Upon a Time in the West, you inhabit the scope of something that it needs that kind of space and storytelling, and and, and it's and the good ones are structured and paced to use yeah. that time to their advantage. Yeah, exactly. And you don't necessarily want to leave. Like, some of those things, like, you know, I could live in the Seven Samurai for, you know, five hours or whatever.
1: Well, I mean, I... You know, movies are getting longer now, but I don't think they're making good use of that time. I think that they're filling it with as much crap as they possibly can. This happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and they're not making any space. The, The advantage of the length is that you can tell a story differently or get to know a character better and you don't have to have things like happening all the time because your brain if can't process that If you don't vary the pace,
0: the pace, yeah. it's completely yeah. exhausting. Yeah. Like I well and it I mean, doesn't, doesn't I'm leave an like impact. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm not wired like everybody else, but you know, the average run of the mill Hollywood blockbuster movie, I just get tremendously bored yeah. and and um, Cuz none
1: of it matters. It doesn't it mean doesn't anything. Doesn't matter. You know.
0: And there's a point of just oversaturation where That's it's like f- I don't care if there's another explosion in the well. Sky if you right make now. the
1: stakes too big, then the small things don't. I mean, you need yeah. that that you need that juxtaposition of the small things versus the small stories versus the.
0: Boy, we're being very cranky the, about I know. modern movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We do like new There films. are We're,
1: lots of really yeah. great independent films that still come out well, all the time, and we about, see a lot of them. We've so. talked
0: about a few lately. We've yeah. talked about Roma, and we've talked about The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I mean, there are there are plenty of good films being made, yeah. but there are plenty of other big-budget movies that could really use another pass at the script stage yeah. where, you know, just give this some editing.
1: Well, you know, I, I mean, don't put everything in. I think we're we're just looking on too small of a scale. They're working on a rhythm that's above the size of the movie. They're working on a rhythm that's like as large as a year or as large as four and years I just or something like care that. About yeah. any
0: of that, yeah, that's just, that's just me apparently.
1: <laughs> but I mean, like you know, as a person who's a fan of you know serialized television, I think that telling an hour long story or a forty five minute story. And having 10 episodes to tell that over is a lot more effective than trying to se- tell like a giant, you know, 17 picture, mm-hmm. loosely connected story, you know, that scale is too large, I think, for, for me, at least, you know. Well, I
0: mean, it's not even for the benefit of the storytelling, yeah. it's for the benefit of keeping afloat a, a product.
1: Yeah.
0: We can talk about that in <laughs> another episode. We, we've we gone really long again. <laughs> yes. We have a new, we were in a new era of uh, over one hour length okay. uh, podcasts and it is our Sunday afternoon and uh, yeah. we should probably release each other. Yes. From the West. <laughs> but do you have anything else you want to say about this movie or anything it brings up?
1: No, no? I think I I covered it.
0: I think we covered this pretty yeah, well. Yeah, I think so. And I'm really glad you got to finally see this <laughs> and that we got to see it right cuz it yeah. just wouldn't have been right to see this. Uh, you all can, please do watch the Blu-ray. It is the restored version. If you've got a big TV and an, and a decent sound system, I think you will still really Although do support this movie. your
1: uh, theaters that uh, are doing uh... I know, but we're
0: spoiled. We live in Austin. We've got the Austin Film Society. We've got the Paramount Summer Classics. We've got the Alamo Draft House and so we do have a lot a good opportunity to see things that a lot of the country isn't getting to see. Well, and around the world yeah. you know so seek these movies out they're worth it mm-hmm. and, and you can usually find a, a good print out there somewhere all right that's it for this week's show and we will be back in two weeks and we also will have been back mm-hmm. with our previous episodes yes. of a film that we haven't yes yet watched but we probably <laughs> enjoyed it and we probably had a good conversation yeah. last week <laughs> okay i'm getting confused it's all about time travel now <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Um, find us on Facebook. Write us an email at shutupwatchthis@gmail.com. At Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast apps. We really should do this early in the show instead yeah. of at the end because nobody's still listening. Um, and <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, thanks. Bye. Bye.